0: everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love and you are listening to the Labors of Love podcast. Y'all, I'm super excited to have this conversation with my super dope guest, Erica with a K, Latinas. Her pronouns are she, her, and she is a queer, Latine, poetic work in progress walking in love and learning. What's up, Erica with a K? Hello, hello, Ms. LaShonda.
1: How, How are you? Really happy to be sharing this time and this space with you because I am a huge fan huge fan.
0: I appreciate that so much. And it is so good to reconnect in this way. So let's start. Um, I'll start with you. uh, Like I do all my guests and ask, what is your labor of love? My greatest
1: labor of love is intentionally trying to be a better version of myself each day. And if I can just do that intentionally, then everything else just echoes and trickles from there out into the universe and into the world.
0: Mm -hmm. And I know that that touches so many different areas of one's life. And so when you specifically talk about the intentionality that you put behind becoming this best version of yourself, what are some of the areas that you find you've been focusing on on lately? Ooh,
1: so many (laughs) So many, because I am very much a work in progress, um, and a lot of it for me um, lately has been compassion with myself. It's not really, it's something I logically understand, and I've read the books, and I understand the term, but actually to embrace that and to viscerally understand that and really be able to apply that to myself I had to own up to the fact that I'm really not that compassionate with myself. Uh, So therefore I've really been focusing on lately on my internal dialogue with myself, Mm. being very intentional in the movements that I make literal and figuratively speaking and in my day to day. And that can be anything from when I'm brushing my teeth, being intentional and having an inner dialogue of saying positive things to myself when I'm brushing my teeth and looking in the mirror, because I usually just zone out and I'm trying to just be intentional and just say, you have a beautiful smile and you are a great person. And it sounds cheesy. And, but when I say those things to myself, even just now saying them out loud, I get emotional and it's hard because that's not my default. hmm my default is negative self-talk. So it sounds cheesy and all of that, but it's, it's real. Um, and it's not toxic positivity because there's, there's a difference. Um, and I, I think that's really, I'm very almost intentional with that. Like I'm not feeding myself toxic positivity. That's, that's not what this is. So I think that's where my intentionality really has been lately.
0: Gotcha. So when you think about, um, kind of the the narrative of your life thus far how did this intentional work on self so that it can reverberate outward become something that was important to you and that you wanted to focus so much of your attention and effort on
1: as far back as i can remember as a child
0: i i come
1: from a space of a lot of trauma a lot of trauma i've been diagnosed with complex ptsd have anxiety, uh, and I talk about this at length at any time I can because I believe in quote unquote normalizing this and visibility and all of that. And I don't know how or why, but I know there was a moment, as as far back as I can remember, there was a moment where probably even as a five year old, four year old, just saying to myself, "I want more, I want better," and there's always been some way in my life that I have somehow searched for that for myself. Not always having the framework, the tools, the coping mechanisms or any of that, but somehow always finding that glimmer, somehow always pushing against the the toxic cycles, somehow always finding a positive in the negative. Um, And it's just something somehow organically I have made the choice to do and mom, my father died by suicide when I was 16. I was a junior in high school. And that was just one of the many traumatic things. But I remember through all the grief and all that pain saying to myself and continuing to say over the years, I am not going to end up like my father. Mm. I am not, I will not. And, And that is not a negative to him. To me, that is a way of honoring his pain and his struggle and knowing that everything he suffered and went through in a way is because he wanted more for me. Hmm. Um, So I still find a positive lining to frame that. Um, So I, I don't know where that came from, but it's just something intentionally that I've always done. And it's been hard. It's been painful. There's many versions of me. Uh, And, and uh, I just so intentionally, I just know that I can't control the world, but I can control how I react to the world. And um, that's a lot easier said than done, especially when there's so many triggers, but that's what I can work on. And that's just intentionally what I have spent my life doing. And again, in doing that, the ripple effects of that in the way that I move in the world and interact with others that has shifted dramatically and drastically. And it does create that legacy of love that I talk about for me. You know, I always say to me that the greatest thing I can do is leave a legacy of love. Um, And that's what I focus on. Mm -hmm. Taking all the the negative and planting that in my garden and using that as manure, as the raw material to make a garden bloom. That's the analogy I always use. and, And that's the visualization I have in my head.
0: I really appreciate you sharing that. I, I'm i really struck by, um, as you started your story, talking about um, always having this inst- instinctual desire and yearning for more, even as a small child. And even for me, that's really fascinating because generally speaking, obviously there are exceptions to this, but for the most part, children think their life is normal until they have something to compare it to. Like, until there are opportunities to see things differently, children just assume that this is how life is, not just their life. This is how life is. And so from a very young age to be able to say, no, there's more than this. Like, I, I was really drawn to that and how that that feels very divine to me because. The natural course of childhood is oh this is this is how the world is and so this is how I have to protect myself and this is what I move in and to to feel safe and this is how I get love and this is how I avoid rejection and pain and and all of those things so I really am struck by that and I appreciate you sharing that that I do believe that for some people there is there has been a thing that they can't describe the the origin point but they've always known something was there and. When I, yeah, I can think about different things in my life that I know I wasn't taught. <laughs> and and I can't tell you where I learned it, but it's it's just been a thing that's in me. So I appreciate that so much. and um, and then also this this way of honoring those who have come before us by being so intentional about not repeating some of the same things. I, I think sometimes we don't talk enough about how that is honoring and how the that some of the things that have been given to us by way of trauma, we've, we might focus on, but some of the resilience that we also gain when we are proximate to things that are really hard that we can use the legacy of those who've come before us to say, I want to be better. Sometimes that's in how we show up in the world in general. Sometimes that's in our parenting. Sometimes that's in the way we run our business. Sometimes that's in the way, whatever, how we take care of our bodies and our, and our, our minds and our spirits. So I really can appreciate those things because as you talk about leaving a legacy of love, you're also talking about the legacy of your father that was left, that allows you to go on to do that. So really, really appreciate that. Um, you made it a point to talk about being poetic, so I would love to talk about how the arts and creativity funnel into your endeavors to be the best ve- the best version of Erica. I've become
1: a poet without even realizing it, um, and it's it's a beautiful thing, um, and and I I have been inspired and helped along the way to know that I have this voice inside of me. And it it doesn't have to be something like E.E. Cummings. It doesn't have to sound like Shakespeare. It doesn't have to be Socrates or something with a certain amount of syllables and movement to it, the, the way I was classically educated, if you will. But it was in looking around my surroundings and realizing that was real poetry and that comes from our ancestors and how history was passed down orally and the storytelling. And there's just the voice of our ancestors. And I discovered that through my poetry and um, I'm from Chicago, South side of Chicago, and there's so much poetry there. um, And, and I have only but to say common. Common is, is someone who definitely his voice, his, way of moving through the world is something that definitely inspired me. And I found myself slowly using and finding my voice through the trauma and the pain to put things together and find release, relief and connection with others. So it was also a way of me letting go of the fact of thinking I'm not good enough Hmm. and realizing I don't need of course I don't need a degree I don't need approval I don't need to be published all I have is but to say that I am a poet and I am that's it and speak it that is what it takes to be a poet you know painters are not painters because they sell at the moma they are painters because it is like the air that they breathe they just paint because it's what's natural to them and I speak because it is what is natural to me. And I was silenced for so long by the world and mostly by myself. Um, and poetry has allowed me to connect with others. I've used it when I've done public speaking engagements, when I do trainings, mentoring with youth, instead of just saying, hi, my name's Erica. That doesn't really tell you anything about me, right? So I started writing poetry and introducing myself with a poem and really connecting with people in that way. And It's been powerful because it's helped others be inspired to find the voice within themselves and find poetry within themselves and to recognize that we are all poets because when you move, it's poetic. When you rise up out of bed in the morning, that is a poem in action. When you speak to your children, that is poetry. To me, everything around me is poetry and um, there's no right or wrong way to speak a poem. Just saying good morning, it's a greeting it's, it's a human connection. Um, and that's why I'm very intentional with words. And one of the things I do not like, I don't like when people ask me, how are you as a greeting, how are you is, is a question. It's, it's an invitation to a conversation. It's, and it just, it's made me much more intentional as a human being, um, to walk in that poetry
0: of my day to day. I, I definitely agree with you that I feel it is permission giving. Um, we are social by creation and a lot of our um, socialization has been around the social norms that has said at this point, how are you is a greeting um, and frequently saying to people that, you know, I, I, I know how to say hello. When I say, how are you? I'm genuinely asking, how are you? Um, and so I appreciate that. I also like this notion of, and so we we can talk, we'll talk about poetry, but I think this is so much of what you said and you brought in like painting. It goes across so many different areas. We've been very uh, culturalized mainly through the systems of white supremacy and capitalism to believe that our identities are given to us by other people. And so that's kind of like the validation. And so you see it in in how we are educated. So someone bestowing a piece of paper with, you know, signature says, now you are a whatever you've graduated in, you know, now you are a bachelor <laughs> in this area, you know, or now you are a master of this area. And, and so it's common for us to believe that I was um, participating in some writing circles for a couple of years. And throughout life, people have noted that I am poetic. But as I was reading, like as I'm in this writing circle, people kept saying, you're a poet. And I literally was like, I'm not because this is a paragraph. <laughs> so like because my words were not like looking like I had always thought of a poet, a poem to be but I would read it and recognize so when it's like what it I don't know what this is like I still kind of don't even know what prose is but you know it's out there you know is it a poem is it you know what is it and I'm like it is what's in me and so it helped me to redefine what what is poetry and and yeah, so all the different things. I started painting and, you know, but I would never call myself a painter. I would never call myself an artist. I would just say the things that I do. And I recognize that there is there is a level of, I don't know, a lot of things. I think there is a level of shame and there is a level of responsibility Um, And a level of visibility that show up when you declare, I am this. And that can be really scary. So what would you say to that? Like this notion that, yes, we are poetry in motion. We are artists because of so many things. But when it comes to those things, the accountability, responsibility, the shame, the fear um, that comes along with declaring oneself a thing, how has that journey been for you?
1: It's scary. It's terrifying. I will never forget the first time I actually performed one of my pieces of poetry in front of a group of people. And it was not a group of five people or 10 people. It was a group of a thousand people. And I was literally shaking like a leaf. My My hands were shaking. And I just, it, it physically, I just felt like my heart was just going to come out of my throat. It was Physically and literally, it was just a, a really viscerally hard experience, really challenging, hard experience. Um, it helped that I had people in the first row that believed in me. And to me, that's that community care I talk about it's surrounding oneself with the people that will be that voice that one almost can't have within oneself. Um, but it was very scary. And it was so vulnerable, because it was me actually owning my identity and not waiting for someone to give it to me. And yet still feeling afraid of the rejection that could potentially happen from a thousand people right in front of me, putting myself in that space, Um, and I did it. And it's gotten easier since. It was facing that initial fear That was terrifying. And then when it all went right, even when I stumbled, I realized that all the things that I was scared that would happen, I was focusing all the things that could go wrong, not on all the things that could go right. And that's what I'm still working on now. That's why I say I'm a work in progress. Now I'm working on embracing other parts of my identity that, to your point, I feel inadequate. I don't feel worthy i feel shame i i i feel all of these things that have just been programmed and especially through a capitalist society it's like well who do you think you are that internal voice who do you think you are to be calling yourself this you know so-and-so's got so many years of experience so-and-so's got titles so-and-so like how are you going to even take up space in that space and having to combat that i mean that's not easy but as I embrace more identities and give myself permission to do that, and and I do it more often, I've become much more comfortable saying, I am a poet. I am, now when I say it, I believe it. So now it's, again, continuing to become a better version of myself. And how can I be a mentor to you? How can I expect to inspire others if I don't embrace that first for myself and be genuine and authentic in that? Um, And it's okay if I'm still, on that journey but it's important for me to actively intentionally be on that journey as I'm also spreading and sharing that message with others
0: Mm -hmm. when you began to identify as a poet did you do you feel that other people's expectations of you shifted at all
1: um I don't know if expectations shifted as, as much as I was surprised and still am by how people have embraced what I have to say. I didn't believe that people, that I, this little beaner kid, as I call myself, you know, cause that was such a, that was a term that was constantly used growing up to just bully me and put me down and say, like,
0: what's it mean?
1: Um, Well, my origin is Latina, specifically Mexican. So it is this stereotype that all we eat is beans.
0: Got it. Thank you.
1: So people would call me a beaner Mm -hmm. or would call my family beaners um, as a derogatory term. And now I've taken the power back and I'm like, I'm proud to just say that, you know, yeah, I'm this beaner kid from the South side that against all odds is here. And people actually want to hear what I have to say. And I'm like, wow. And it's, I don't have to have this registrar of an academic and intellectual. And so I don't think the expectations of others changed as much as the expectations of myself changed and allowing myself to not feel the need to be perfect and hold up these standards of colonization and capitalism and productivity and just slowly chipping away at that.
0: Mm -hmm. And I ask that because as I think about the various things that I have, and I'm still constantly owning up to part of the fear and anxiety and things that I experience taking ownership of those of those identities is that I have a belief that expectations are going to shift and i'm going to say i'm a poet and someone's going to say let me see your card let me see the card that says you're a poet you know i i'm an artist let 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 me see the let me see the thing that says you're this and and that for me i think has constantly been the thing that's made me be like oh i don't want to declare that i can say i write poetry i can say i sometimes paint and it felt like it wouldn't come with someone's expectation to say prove it Now I have owned certain things and I have yet to have anyone be like, show me as a matter of fact, I can say I'm a therapist all day and I actually have credentials. Ain't nobody asking me for my credentials. (laughs) Nobody. I have not one single time had someone say, what's your license number? So I can look you up on the, on, on the state website. Like people just believe me. They just take it as it is. And it was like, Oh, there is a thing. And, and, so okay, period. Next paragraph. <laughs> so there's <laughs> there's this also thing of like you talked about community care. Community is so 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 vital, and as you were talking, what I was thinking about. So in in my coaching program that I'm that I'm going through, we do acknowledgement now. I am 40 years old, almost 41 years old. I know what the word acknowledgement means. I have acknowledged people. I've gone to things and I say, and, and we're going to do acknowledgements. But I had never experienced acknowledgements in this way. And it, we did it like when we very first started the program, which was interesting because we were all 36 people, 40 people, if you call them instructors, new to each other. And then we've done it again more recently where we get into these small groups and one person uh, for whatever time frame, let's say five minutes, is the focal point of acknowledgement. And everyone else is acknowledging this person. And to learn the difference between acknowledgements are not compliments. They, They are, you know, it's not about flattery. But it's about identifying the essence of that person and mm-hmm. reflecting that back to them. How would the how would how would this space, how would this program, how would this world be fundamentally different if you were not a part of it? And so to um, and we meet on Zoom and the beautiful thing is the person being acknowledged gets to turn off their camera. Right. So there is no pressure to respond, you know, or, you know, make a thing and to just sit and listen for five minutes while people just reflect. And you know that the goal isn't blowing smoke up your butt. You know, it's not them trying to be flattery. They're not complimenting you. They are reflecting your essence to you. It's one of the most powerful experiences I have ever had. And I've had some powerful experiences. The beautiful thing about acknowledgments is you start to hear themes, right? So these people are surrounding you and they're acknowledging your essence. And all of a sudden you start to hear things about yourself that you might not have actually been aware of. Like ways in which you show up. Ways in which you engage with the world, things that you give to the, the the greater community are then like, oh, everybody is saying this. So it gives you the opportunity to say like this, this might be true of me. So being in community where we can be acknowledged can be one of the most powerful experiences because it's not like other people are giving you your identity. Right. This is very different than needing the approval or the validation of someone to say, well, because I deem you this, you are this. But it is something to be around people who can acknowledge your essence to give you sometimes just the idea of it. And recently for me, it has come up in ways that I can kind of look back and be like, oh, yeah, I," (laughs) but I never thought of it. So someone um, the very first time someone called me brilliant. I was not ready to accept that. That felt that felt like something that was just not. Yeah, I can't own that. That mm-mm, mm-mm. and but it then it started coming from different people in different times, that made me pause and go, well, what's the challenge in owning this? What do I think that word means? What about that word is scary? And 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 investigating that, and then it came to, I am pretty damn brilliant. And I use that to, me like, the way my brain can make a connection and very quickly, like, put together this thing, there is, that is brilliance, right? Once I was able to define it for myself, it was. Someone else called me, I mean, very basic. Someone introduced me as a podcaster. And I was like, oh, I, okay, yeah. I would never use that term. For myself, but it's just, I didn't think of it. But yeah, I mean, two years, two and a half years in the game. Like, yeah, I, I'm a podcaster. Someone else said um, that I was a content creator and I was like, am I really? You're like, girl, how many, how many more hundreds of hours do you need before you realize that you are, you're creating content? And it's like, oh, you know, so it's all these ways in which, you know, I was on a podcast and someone called me a visionary and I was like, mm, wait a minute. I don't know if I'm ready for that one. Like that, you know, but in my hesitance to own some of these acknowledgments, it all comes back to those little girls inside of me who are like, uh-uh, we can't do that. What are people going to want from us then? Or what, what if this, or what if they look? And so being able to have that loving reciprocal relationship with those parts of me to go oh we don't have to be scared of that word right no we 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 are these are just people acknowledging what already is and also I think there are parts of me that be like uh, uh-uh, I feel like if I own that it's more work and then I have to remind them like but we already put in the work so it it's it, it's a journey for me, you know, and all of the layers and parts of me that show up when there is a new acknowledgement. And yet sometimes there might be something that someone offers, and I go, "Yeah, I don't own that. Yeah, that one, no. Mm-mm. I can kind of see how, yeah, but no, that one doesn't fit. That's that's not what we're doing here. So yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge that as you talk about this process of. I am a poet because I say I am a poet, how permission giving it is for people to take a pause and say, I get to determine who I am and how I show up and the freedom that that brings. And that's so very beautiful throughout your time on this journey. What are some of the ways this has shown up by way of how have you spent time working with folks, you know, you mentioned working with a a few demographics, but how has your endeavor to show up as the best version of yourself shown up professionally for you?
1: And I pause because I wouldn't really want to frame this and reflect on it and say it in, in, in the best way possible. And I think the best way to just say it is the more authentic i've become and that's happened by becoming more comfortable in my own identity and giving myself that permission it allows those around me to feel more comfortable being their authentic selves i pride myself on saying that i live my life without filters um i i started instagram I got on Instagram, I didn't start Instagram. I don't want to take credit for starting Instagram. I got on Instagram, I should say, primarily because of the work that I was doing for so many years working with youth and I wanted to connect with them where they were at. And then that was an Instagram, it was a great platform. And I've learned through that process of literally and figuratively speaking, not having filters. And I live my life without filters. And by doing that, it lets other people know that, these standards that we're brought up with, we're programmed with these ideas of colonization that have been centered in our lives. These rules that we have been taught. All of that is made up. Somebody somewhere made up a rule. Somebody somewhere made up all this stuff. So if somebody somewhere made that stuff up, then I can make my own stuff up. And I'm going to mess up. I'm going to step in it. I I have no idea what I'm doing. And I own that. And I've gotten more comfortable with saying that, like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I am making stuff up as I go along because I'm just figuring it out because that's the best I can do. And when I'm raw and honest and authentic about it, because that's just, it is. It gives people a view into real humanity. And it's like, oh, so... Can I cuss? Everyone asks, go for it. (laughs) It's like, okay, so Erica doesn't have her shit together. Like, and she's still Erica with a K. Like, okay, so I don't have to put up that front that I got my shit together. And that's to me the beauty of it. And when I speak to people, that's what I talk about. I don't embrace the whole rah, rah, yay, go, go. You're an amazing person. It's like- I don't give advice. I just talk about who I am and my struggles. And if something in that resonates and connects with you, then that's phenomenal. Because I'm here to connect with you as a human being. I'm here to see you and to be seen and have this experience and this moment. And it's so real and so present for me that I think people really connect with that. So is it scary? Yes. And I don't give my per- myself permission. I'm still struggling to, to step into other parts of my identity because you're right. I'm afraid of the expectations people will put on me when I add these titles and these identities. And yeah, that is the scary part. But as I'm embracing more of those identities within myself and giving myself that permission, I realize the only expectations are those that I put on myself. Those are the only ones that really matter. And
0: those are the ones that can be most productive or most most harmful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for context, Erica and I have known each other. I mean, time and then COVID was a vacuum that sucked years out of life. So, but I don't know, at least four years, I would say. That sounds about right, maybe. Um, But we connected when we were working with Sandy Hook Promise. And, um, you know, Sandy Hook Promise organization uh, focusing on um, violence prevention They do a lot of things, but the capacity I had as a as first as a presenter was we did violence prevention work with young people by giving two specific programs to young people. One was um, Say Something, which was a program that helped young people identify the signs and the the warning signs of someone who might be. about to hurt themselves or someone else and giving the young people the tools to recognize it and how to say something to a trusted adult. And the other one was start with hello, which is a program that aimed to reduce violence by understand helping children understand the need for community and connection, how to help children avoid social isolation. Right. And so, you know, the journey with that was great. You know, we we traveled all around the country doing these programs I have presented to thousands of children but they got to a point where I was doing um, train the trainer kind of thing the presenters who were coming in and doing that and one of the most fundamental things that I could tell the incoming presenters which I now think about it and and to a degree I was living it not as fully as I am now But as fully as I had the capacity to then, which is a child can spot a phony a mile away. Okay, so I need y'all to hear that children can spot a phony a mile away. Now, what they do with that information varies, but they are hardwired and attuned to authenticity. And so we have these every every presenter was an adult. I remember at least when I was helping train people, there was like one person and he still might have been like 18 and then there was like one 16 year old, but mostly these are adults. Okay, who are going into K through 12 schools and talking to kids. And it's like, yo, you got to show up as yourself. You can't go in there trying to show up as me. You can't go in there trying to show up as Erica. You can't go in there and show up as Andre and Alex and our whole crew. It was so dope. But no, you, 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 you have to be you. Because what I have learned working with adolescents and children for a very long time is by and large they will they will they will be cool with who you are as long as you are actually who you are. And so people and when I'm saying all over the country I'm talking all over the country. And so when very starting in with them very early like I was 6 months pregnant um when this was happening we were down in Miami Dade which is the fourth largest school district in the country and there were like 11 of us and we went down to that school district and our job for 2 weeks technically it was like eight days over the course of two weeks was to train every single high school in Miami Dade, Florida. Okay. It was a lot. Um, and one to see the drastic difference, differences that schools in one school district can have, it was mind boggling how I could go to one school and have one experience and I could go to another school on the same day in a different part of town and have a completely different experience so that was wild but the point is sometimes in efforts to be relatable adults stop being themselves and so you don't have to listen (laughs) and this is what we had to help people understand just be you if you a cornball be a cornball that's it, because people will be like, yo, you a cornball, but you for real, for real the cornball, like you a real one, like you aren't pretending, you know what I mean? If you this, be this, but that authenticity is huge because you're going in there. And, and let's think about this from a very logical perspective. Why in the world would you trust what a person is saying if you can't trust what they're being? Why? Why would I believe that you are not lying to me with your words if you are lying to me with your presentation? If you are lying to me with your clothes, if you are lying to me with your tone of voice, if you are lying to, if your essence is a lie, why the hell am I gonna believe what you have to say? And so, especially when we're working with young people, the number of young people who can just be like, I can can get behind you. Because you being you, and I can tell you being you, you know, that, that has been trajectory shifting for so many people, just be you. And when I was listening to you talking like that, that's the journey, y'all. If you listen at all, I would say to even more than, more than one episode, the key is my journey of authenticity has been one of the most foundational fundamental journeys ever because here I am now in my purest authenticity if I discover some things that don't sit right with me then let's work on changing that but if I'm always trying to be somebody else I don't even know what I need to change because I'm constantly changing and as a former shapeshifter who can look the part sound the part be the part if I want to for real y'all how do I know I shapeshift real good because when i go into stores people always ask me for help i thought it was a coincidence until i started to realize that my natural proclivity to shapeshift my a chameleon doesn't try to be a chameleon it's natural defenses to keep it alive is what changes its color and camouflaged it so chameleons are not consciously aware of their changing exterior i was such a chameleon that i would morph into these things without conscious choice without permission and i would just become what my environment necessitated was it helpful in my survival absolutely right (laughs) but i was so good at it that people always assumed that like i worked somewhere i always look like i have the answers people ask me questions And so now that I am authentically me, I'm telling y'all, people don't really ask me nothing. (laughs) They don't be coming up to me randomly in the store. Now, granted, I don't go to a lot of stores and this ain't even COVID fault. I just, (laughs) you know, I just don't, but like people don't engage with me the same because I don't look like this ever helpful. Please let me be helpful to you. I look like I'm out of my business. I look like I'm just me And that. Think about the freedom that I have. Just because being me allowed me to take off this weight of like, let me solve everybody's problems. And so I love what you're saying about this journey to show up as you are being the permission that other people need to know that it's okay to be themselves. Mm. I I love
1: love that you talked about our journey and it was kind of cool to go down memory lane and and walk through that again with you. It's so cool. And the irony here is that the youth, And working with them for those years, especially, I've always worked with youth in one way or another, but especially in the work that we did with Sandy Hook Promise, they were my greatest teachers in helping me find my voice. Truly. Um, Because, and that's why I love being around youth, because I don't have to shape shift. I don't have to be a chameleon. I could just be who I am, period. Because that's exactly what they want you to be. Because if you're anything but, they are going to call you out on that, (laughs) like. In a minute, they're just like, "Mm, no, BS. I call BS. They're going to tune out. So they are the ones that taught me that, actually, to find my voice. And they're the ones that helped me really settle into being a poet and my authenticity. Because I couldn't talk to them about authenticity if I wasn't being authentic. So I got even more comfortable. And that is exactly what they responded to. And the most powerful thing was having these young scholars come up to me after a presentation and saying to me, I have never heard or seen someone like you. I I never met a queer Latina person that just like lays it all out. And I was like, boom, here I am. For the first time in their lives, they've seen themselves reflected in someone. And that only nourished and fed me and fueled me to lean even in more into that. And ironically, it was the adults that had the problem with that. <laughs> yeah. Because right. it, it, that's the irony. It's like here, the, the adults are like thinking they're they're feeding and giving. And it's like, no, y'all just need to be quiet because they have the answers. We just need to listen to them. They're the ones that got it right. We're the ones that have let the world jade us and mark us and step on us and minimize us. And now we want to do that to them. And they're the ones that helped me find my voice and remember that I was them. And I still felt so much of that. And um, so, yeah, that the, the story of finding the authenticity that's a work in progress mm-hmm. It's always ongoing. But I love for me, my story is and I used to tell the youth this and I tell myself this and I tell everybody this. I said in all the history of humanity, think about how huge that is in all the history of humanity. There has never been another youth. ever that's it you are you there's never been another you why do you want to be anybody but you because you are uniquely amazing and awesome so you can't be wrong period you can't be wrong because everything about you is right it's unique it's divine it's gifted it's bam it's
0: just there and those seeds that we plant in doing that they get they they have the potential to grow into such beautiful beautiful plants and trees and flowers Um, The ironic thing for me is developmentally, the young people we're talking about don't have a good sense of who they are. They are growing in their identity. And yet, like having someone come in freshly authentic is literally a way to go like, oh, that's an option. Even if they don't choose that option in that moment. It is an option. So for me, when I show up to places and the thing about our programming through Sandy Hook Promise is that it was um, it was a standard program. Here are the slides. Right. Helping helping the adults who were doing this to understand that, listen, you give me any slide, I'm still going to be Shonda. I still can be who I am, no matter how scripted something is, no matter how programmed something is, there are still opportunities for you to insert yourself into that. So now when we think about no matter what you do, no matter what uniform you have to wear, I grew up in uni- in, in, in schools that had uniforms. Um, well, kindergarten, at eighth, 12, first to eighth grade was in uniform, but then high school was a dress code. And it was mm. amazing to me how... People found creative ways to insert themselves, right? So, yeah, I got to wear these khakis or these blue or black pants, and I got to wear this button up shirt, but the tie I choose to wear will have my identity in it. The glasses I choose to wear, my socks, you know, the scarf. And so, when even when we find that we are in a box, in some way there is a some of us have realistic boxes that there are ways to introduce ourselves into the box that allows us to be authentic and 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 I I just I enjoyed the work that we did so much because like you said the young person that comes up to you at the end and learning their words might just be thank you but you can see in their eyes, like it was so much more. And so even now, no matter when I step out in front of a group of people, one of the most fascinating things for me is as I'm picking what I'm going to wear and all of that, it's not, it's no longer, where am I going? So what should I wear? Because I'm going here. It's what does Shonda want to wear? And you just show up and people get to see like, I don't have to be you, but the fact that you are you means that there's a possibility I can be me, that I don't have to code switch and I do not code switch no matter what kind of environment I'm in. So my language, my my tone, I have a very interesting recent story where I showed up (laughs) in a pretty much an all-white environment on a panel and me being me, I'm like... (laughs) I laugh because Jay and I still laugh about this. I, it was a very valid point and it was some point, but, you know, let's say the theme was, you know, we have to be more empathetic and we have to ask more, you know, why not questions. And I'm like, start with fixing your face. Just fix your face, Mm. right? And the smile, Mm. so I'm doing this. But what I realized afterwards was what was, had I been in a group full of black people, it would have been such a different experience because everyone... This, listen, these white folks had never heard that. <laughs> so people were coming up. It felt revolutionary. They turned it into a hashtag. Hashtag picture. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. So I became that person who gave away the, 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 the family secrets. But, but really what it is, is no, I was just authentic. And I showed up in a space, authentically me. And what people took away, I said a lot of amazing, profound things. Because I do that. But they took away this moment where I'm like, yeah, and all that, all that, just fix your face. Because that was the authentic thing that came to me. And now people are literally still like, oh, my God, you're the fix your face lady. Because that was a you moment. And that doesn't mean co-opt other people's stuff. But what that means is, what is that thing you grew up hearing that can be beneficial? You get to say that. You get to show up in this particular way. You get to cut your hair off or you get to have it long you get to wear a crop top even if even if the culture want to tell you you don't have a body for let you get to do all of that and so I recognize that I am a walking I'm walking permission like I am permission in human form and what am I permitting I am permitting people to be their most authentic selves or at the bare minimum consider it. Consider that it's a possibility that of all the things you've been told that you can be. And we start that from utero. Okay. Mm. Child is born and somebody's always trying to tell what they're gonna quote unquote be or what they're gonna do. And all I'm saying is I'm just giving you one more option, and that option is yourself. Mm. Mm.
1: That's I'm I'm aggressively double snapping over here. (laughs) The the poet in me is look, I'm just I'm like aggressively double snapping. I'm like, oh yes. Mm,
0: And and I love that for us. I I love that for us. I love that for the people we get to encounter. I love that for our communities. I love that the daily, the daily journey of authenticity can knowingly and unknowingly inspire people to know that authentic is an option. Because Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of time in my life, I didn't know it was an option. I listened to the words of many people who don't know it's an option. We know this because they go, Oh, I have this job interview. So let me go get my hair straightened. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, Oh, no, I got to go do this photo shoot. So now I got to go, what, you know, but my very first (laughs) one of I've had so many photo shoots, um, (laughs) versions of myself, right? And I remember my first professional photo shoot freaking out, Googling professional photo shoot. Right, and getting this list of things, you know, that were like you don't want to date it, you don't want you want it to be timeless, right? So it it discouraged statement pieces in jewelry. It 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 emphasized this, and I went and bought these clothes, and I went and got my hair done. Survey hated the pictures, loved the photographer, hated the pictures, and I realized I hated the pictures because when I looked at them, it wasn't me. I'm like, who is that person? Right. Who is that? So we get to know that an option is we don't have to Google. How do I show up? We just show up and and we trust that process is a daily process, like you were saying. So I love that so much.
1: And, and it's OK to look back at pictures from two years ago and say, I That's just not me anymore. And that's OK. That doesn't mean they're ugly. It doesn't invalidate who you were in the moment. It just means there's been growth and evolution and those pictures were beautiful in the moment and you were beautiful in the moment for that person that you were. And now you got a new set of pictures that really, mm-hmm. read it. like, it's, it's
0: valid. One, I, I I I don't uh, for expense purposes, but I, I probably need a photo shoot every quarter because I dress, I change so much. And like, for real, if you, <laughs> in, in, It's just so interesting. If you want to see a journey, go to my YouTube page, scroll as far back as you can and just scroll. You will be like, is this, this like, I, and I love the different hairstyles, the different this, the, you know, the setting, like all of my videos at first were at my desk, this, then I did one in my car because I needed to get it done. And then, and I remember my friend at the time was like, that was the most authentic, like, you showed up. So then I was like, oh, let me move to different places. So you can literally see my growth and how much better cameras have gotten on cell phones Um, (laughs) as you take this (laughs) journey through time. So I love that point. We growing and becoming more authentic doesn't mean we have to shame or feel shame about the 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 versions of us that we were who were doing the best that we could with the information that we had with the resources that we had Mm, you know who were holding on to the relationships we thought we needed to hold on to because we thought that was our survival who was staying at the job because listen Mm, stop shaming and now we need to appreciate that part I need you to have a gratitude session that those parts of you did the things that they did so that Mm. you can be where you are right now. So Mm. I love, love, love so much of that. I love, love, love you. Is there anything that we didn't touch on or didn't talk about um, that you want to make sure we talk about or just kind of as we start to finish up any last thoughts for the listeners? Gratitude,
1: gratitude, gratitude for the people in my life because I say it takes a village not only to raise a child but it takes a village to raise an adult and maintain an adult And I do not walk through life alone. And I walk with such a a profound sense of gratitude, not just for my ancestors, but for the people that are in my life. And you are definitely one of those. And it's amazing because we don't recognize how powerful our presence in the world is. And just because I don't interact with you each day, just because I don't talk to you each day, it doesn't mean I don't feel you each day. It doesn't mean you don't touch my life each day. And I just walk with so much gratitude for all the teachers and supporters that I have in my life. And LaShonda, you are genuinely one of those people who has had such an impact on my life and continue to because you take care of me through the podcast, through your posts on your social media, through the little five minute things that you post here. Or there just And just by being you and I surround myself with that and I'm just full of gratitude for people like you who do give me those moments of acknowledgement without even realizing it. And so I'm grateful for the village that I have in my life. And I invite others to do the same, to look around in your life and see who is your village. And if you feel that you don't have one, then make me one of your first ones in your village, right? Find those people that can be that. So just gratitude, LaShonda, is is a big part of it for me. I'm just so grateful.
0: I appreciate that. Gratitude is huge. Community is huge. You know, sometimes I talk about like, well, how did this person become a guest? And and one of the things is, you know, I have encountered some truly amazing people in my life. And sometimes you forget. You don't, you don't think about that person. And and what happens is what I appreciate about Erica is sometimes she'll just reach out. It she'll just reach out just to. She doesn't she doesn't want anything from me. She's not asking for anything. She's just saying, "Hey, like I'm thinking about you or I appreciate you or this really touched me." And not only is that an acknowledgment for me, not only does that fuel the work that I'm doing, not only does that make me go, "Okay." <laughs> Keep going, girl. Keep going. Like some, it's it's touching someone. It's it's okay. Like not only does it do that, but then it reminds me for me to be like, oh, this is though. Yeah, we connect, and it's like, oh, girl, please come be on the podcast, right? You know, I got a lot going on, so sometimes it's not like you know. So if you listening and you know we've connected, and you like, dang, Shane asked me, look, hit me up. I'm telling y'all, I want your voices here. I want your stories here. And just making touch tones with those with your community members, people who are impactful to you. Never, ever, ever, ever believe that someone has gotten so whatever, popular, renowned, or whatever, that they do not appreciate hearing that they matter. Because we start assuming, oh, you doing all this, you know that you're making an impact. No, no, we don't always know. <laughs> She's holding up a sign, you matter. We, everyone needs to know they matter. So Erica, I really, really, really appreciate that. Um, if you don't feel like you have a village, one, take people up on their offer when they when they say, I'll be part of your village. But a year and a half ago, I realized I didn't have a black village. So I declared a thing. And now y'all, my collective Village and my black village is so pop. I can't even, I am so full. I had to acknowledge and I opened my mouth and I said it out loud. I said it out loud. And one of my favorite lines from the book, the alchemist is when you really, really want something, the universe will conspire to make sure you get it conspire. And now, yeah, yeah, it, it's, a, it's, it, it, it conspired and is continuing to grow. So I love that. So Erica, how can people get in touch with you if they have heard something or they're intrigued or they're saying, listen, I, I want to be connected with someone who is going to help me know I matter. How can they reach out to you?
1: My Instagram honestly is, is the best, best way. That's, that's how people find me. That's how I connect with people. Um, in my Instagram, which is my name, Erica, E-R-I-K-A, hence that's why I say it's Erica with a K. So it's Erica, E-R-I-K-A, um, Erica with a K, written out, E-R-I-K-A, W-I-T-H-A-K, Erica with a K, underscore, legacy love. It tells you who I am and what I'm about. I'm Erica with a K, and I'm all about leaving a legacy of love. So there it is.
0: I love it. We will obviously have that in the show notes for people who want to be able to click on that and um and go follow her. But Erica with a K. With the legacy of love, I have so much gratitude for you and how you just show up in the world, the light that you bring and the time that you spent allowing us to get to know you and your story. So I thank you so very much.
1: Thank you, LaShonda, for this (laughs) space and for just being amazing and brilliant and a visionary.
0: I appreciate that, of course. I want to give a special shout out to Trey Angel. He provides all of my music for the Labors of Love podcast. I want to shout out my producer, Jay Sugg, from Instant Classic Media. And you guests, list guests, you listeners. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in. it's it, again i always say like you can't accidentally stumble upon this it's not like a radio station you were intentional when you clicked on the labors of love podcast and i want to thank you for that i do want to remind you that i have my patreon so if you are really vibing with this but you want a little bit extra Um, but don't have the time or the resources or whatever that is to do more in depth work with me. Patreon is a great way to join community with other similarly valued folks who are traveling the journey and you get Patreon specific uh, content. So head over to Patreon and check that out. If you're interested, don't forget we're on all the major social media outlets. Uh, YouTube has, you know, four going on five years worth of, (laughs) worth of content over there that we're organizing in a really nice way. So if you haven't been to the YouTube in a while, um, Um, Head over there if you like. And if you haven't, go ahead and give us that five-star rating. Please write a review and share the podcast with your loved ones and your friends. Until we connect again, you all be well.